So this morning we're going to look at the first chapter of Ezekiel, the entire chapter. A couple years ago, Pew Research Center asked Christians three questions. They asked them, do you believe that God is all-loving? Do you believe that God is all-knowing? And do you believe that God is all-powerful? Now, everybody wants to believe in an all-loving God, right? So 19 out of 20, 95% of the people said yes to all-loving. To the question about being all-knowing, 17 out of 20, 85% said yes. And to the question about being all-powerful, do you believe that God is in control and take care of any situation, 15 out of 20 or 75% of Christians said yes. These are basic questions I believe that all of us ask, right? Do I believe that God is aware of my situation? Do I believe that God cares about my situation? And lastly, do I believe that God can take control of my situation? And these are the questions that we're going to answer in the first chapter of Ezekiel. And these are the questions that I believe that Ezekiel and the Israelites were asking as we look at this chapter. The year is 598 B.C., about 2,600 years ago, and we know from last week, from Pastor Scott, that the Jews have been exiled up into Babylon. Ezekiel is actually in a remote town on a river, and basically they have been removed from their homeland. They're settling in a brand new area, creating a new settlement, and they are asking themselves these questions, right? How did this happen? Does God know about our situation? Does God care about our situation? And finally, can God do something, take control? Is he powerful enough to control this situation? And as we look at the first chapter today of Ezekiel, the answer is yes, yes, and yes. To sum up the first chapter, before we dive into it, to sum it up in a just what it, what it is in one word, or two words, is our God is absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. Or as the front of the bulletin says, our God is the Lord of Lords. Now, theologians use a term here to describe God in the first chapter of Ezekiel by saying that God is transcendent. And probably most of you have heard that term being used. And basically what it means is that God is outside of the material world, trans being beyond the material world, right? So God is not controlled at all by the physical realm, by the scientific laws, the physics, God is completely removed and outside of all that, right? So if you're an engineer or you're a science person, throw away your textbooks when it comes to explaining God because they don't apply. Albert Einstein can no more explain God by the laws of physics and quantum mechanics than a five-year-old child can because God is outside all of that. You see, God 
is unique, and he alone is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Okay, so put on your seatbelts, because we are going to dive into this chapter, and it is a wild chapter. We're going to actually break it into several sections as we look at these verses, and we're just, I'm going to explain exactly, hopefully, what some of these passages mean. Verse 4, I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like glowing metal. <clears throat> So as God steps on the stage of this vision, he is not making a very muted intro here. I mean, God is announcing huge that his presence to Ezekiel. Ezekiel looks to the north, and he sees this huge, immense cloud from all, as far as his eye can see in the north, from horizon to horizon. And he sees flashing lightning and bright, brilliant light. Now, as you read these words, you have to use your imagination. You have to see the pictures, right? You, you can't just read the words. I mean, you have to if it, close your eyes, whatever, but you have to see the pictures here. And I want you to picture this, the most massive storm you've ever seen coming at you. Black clouds, flashing lightning, roaring thunder, you're just looking at it, and you're in awe and fear, and you're like, wow, that's immense, that is incredible. And then behind it, I want you to picture the most brilliant sunset you've ever seen. When you've looked, and you've seen the sun setting, and it just lights up the entire sky, as far as you can see, with every color you can imagine. I want you to put that behind these clouds. And I just want you to see the grandeur, the majesty, the power of the picture of what Ezekiel is seeing. God saying, I am awesome, I am authoritative, I am big, and I am here. Verse 5. And in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had a face of a human being. On the right side, each had the face of a lion. On the left side, the face of an ox. And also had the face of an eagle. So inside this vision is this molten, it looks like steel being poured, molten steel just being poured out of a blast furnace. And inside of that fire are these four creatures. Now these creatures are actually angelic beings, okay? So... Most commentators call them cherubim, but they're, they're from the heavenly realm. But on each creature, they have four faces. They have the face of a man. They have the face of an ox. They have the face of a lion. And they have a face of an eagle. And the face of the man, of course, man represents, he's in control of creation, right? He's been put in charge of creation. The face of the ox he is in charge of all domesticated animals. The face of the lion, the lion is in charge of all wild animals. And the face of the eagle, he, the eagle is in charge of all 
the air, the birds of the air. And so basically, these creatures represent all of creation. And God is saying, I am in control of all of creation. I rule over every aspect of creation. Verse 12 to 18. Now is when it gets really fun. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go, without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like the burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moved back and forth among the creatures. It was bright, and lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheel intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in any, of, any one of the four directions the creatures faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creatures went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. So there's, there's four things I want to bring out in this passage. The first thing is we read uh, verse 12. It says, wherever the Spirit would go, they would go. So God's Spirit is leading creation. He is in charge. He's leading creation. Creation is following him. Two, it says these creatures are moving like flashes of lightning. Now, how fast does lightning go? Pretty fast, right? The speed of light. Basically, they are moving instantaneously, right? The eye can't even follow them. At the blink, they are somewhere else. And basically, God is saying, I am unimpeded. I can go wherever I want to go instantaneously. There is no limit. I can be everywhere at the same time. Thirdly, it says that the creatures had a wheel, and inside, there was another wheel inside that wheel. Now, this is where it gets really crazy. And this is where I told you to throw away all those physics books. Because basically what he's saying is you had a wheel... And then you had another wheel intersecting it at 90 degree angles. So these creatures, when they wanted to turn, they didn't have to do what you and I have to do. They didn't have to go like this. They just turned because they already had a wheel going that way. And if they wanted to go this way, they just went that way and this way and that way. There was no turning because they had a face pointing in each direction, front and back, this way and side to side, and they had wheels pointing in all directions. So they were completely unimpeded. They could go wherever they wanted to go instantaneously. And God is saying, I am completely unimpeded. I can be anywhere I want to be at any time. And then these wheels... The rims had eyes the whole way around. And God is saying, I am not only everywhere at the same time, but I see everything. My eyes are watching everything that is going on. So God, God's spirit leads creation. 
God's Spirit is active, and God's Spirit is unimpeded, and God's Spirit is knowing everything that is occurring at any time in any situation. Verse 22-23. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out toward the other, and each had two wings covering its body. Now, some translations use the word expanse here, which I think is a better word. Basically, the, what's being shown here is that there is a ceiling, there is a divide between creation below and God above. And, and basically, you, as you look at it, it's just a complete floor. And it reminds me of Revelations 4, 6. It says, before the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. It actually reminded me of a couple years ago, our family was on a cruise up to Canada. And as we were coming back, we had to spend a day out at sea, which I never really like. But I'm at the back of the boat as we're out at sea in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. And most of you know, when you're out off of Newfoundland, it can be usually pretty rough. But this particular day, it was totally smooth like glass, like ice. And I remember looking out, and I was in awe of how smooth the ocean was. I mean, it was completely flat, not a ripple to be seen as far as the horizon. And I, I just stood there, and I was in awe of it. I looked at it for the longest time. And this is what I picture that Ezekiel is seeing, is that it's just a smooth expanse, as far as the eye can see, shining like crystal. And below the expanse is creation and the creatures. And above the expanse is what we read next. Verse 25. Then there came a voice from above the vault over their heads as they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of sapphire. And high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire. And then from there down, he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day. So was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of God. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So, above this expanse is this massive throne of sapphire. Now, we live in a republic, so we probably typically don't appreciate thrones. But in most countries that have royalty, everybody understands the throne is the place of power, authority, and judgment. And if you go into the throne room, if you go before the throne, you better respect the fact that the person on that throne is one of power, authority, and judgment. And how do you respect that? By being on your face. By being and honoring that person, right? That is understanding kingship, royalty, power. 
And here is this magnificent throne, as high and as far as the eye can see. And then on this throne is, a, is the glory of God, is a figure that from the waist up is of glowing metal, of power, judgment, holiness, and below the waist, full of fire. And Ezekiel sees this, and he worships. As I read this passage, I was reminded, oh, and one more thing, verse 28, and around the throne is brilliant light. Well, it reminds me of a passage in Revelations 21, 23, when the new Jerusalem comes down, it says, the city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the lamb is its lamp. You see, God is light, and around us is the brilliance of the glory of God. So as I read this passage, I was reminded of a passage in Isaiah. I'm not going to show it to you. I'm going to read it to you, and I just want you to listen to these words. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 21 to 22 and 25 to 26. And Isaiah writes this about 200 years before Ezekiel. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and his people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy, and he spreads them out like a tent to live in. To whom will you compare me? And who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and his mighty strength, not one of them is missing. You see, when we say that God is transcendent, we are saying God alone is on the throne. We are saying God is distinctly unique. There is nobody else like God. God is not like us, and we are not like God. God is not just Superman plus. He alone is beyond our comprehension. And our only appropriate response to God is worship. Verse 28 again, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down and I heard the voice of one speaking. He sees the throne. He sees the glory of God and he sees the brilliant light. And how does he respond? 
the same way we would respond. He falls face down because he is before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is before God Almighty. And he responds in worship. You see, Ezekiel does not prostrate himself because he saw this tremendous vision. He prostrates himself because he now understood who God was. And our worship depends on our understanding of God. If our worship is trivial, our understanding of God is trivial. And if our understanding of God is trivial, our worship will be trivial. When we understand who God really is, on the throne, all authority, all power, all might, all judgment, everything is in his control, we will be on our faces. We will be for the throne of grace in absolute worship of him. But when we fall short and we cheat ourselves of not grasping the power, the authority, the love, the grace, and everything there is to know about God, when we don't comprehend it, we rob ourselves of being before the throne of grace. God alone is worthy of our absolute worship. Richard Exley said the following, Worship is the spontaneous, irrepressible cry of the heart when the glory of the Creator breaks in upon it. It is our natural response to understanding who God is. When we see Him on the throne in all of His glory, we have no response but to worship Him, to be on our faces in worshiping Him, because He alone is worthy of our worship. And A.W. Tozer said, we must never rest until everything inside of us worships God. And when we do worship him, we are at his feet. We are in the throne room. And God invites us through his blood into his throne room. We have the most tremendous privilege to come into the throne room of God and worship him. And when we don't do that, we rob ourselves of the most phenomenal privilege anyone could have. We can come anytime into the throne room of God, before his mighty throne and before all of his glory, and we can worship him. And when we do that, we have intimacy with him. When we do that, we understand who he is. We see him for who he is. And when we do that, we hear his voice. I'm always amazed by how many people say to me, I never hear God's voice. Why doesn't God speak to me? Are you worshiping him? Are you comprehending who he is? Are you before the throne of grace and worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Because I believe when you do, when you give him all of your worship, 
When you bow before him and you understand his glory, his greatness, his majesty, his kingship, he will speak to you. Because he loves you and he died for you. But if you never enter into his throne room, if you never allow yourself to just be before him, how will he speak to you? God wants us in his presence. We have been created to worship him. We have been formed to know him. And God wants us to worship him. And there is no doubt in my mind that as Ezekiel worshipped him, as Ezekiel was on his face before the throne, at that moment, Ezekiel knew, yes, God is in control. God knows our situation. God cares about our situation. And God will act on our situation. There was no doubt in Ezekiel's mind. He knew who God was. And God was in control. And God would see them through this time. And, and it's the same for all of us this morning. When you worship him, you will know God cares about your situation. God knows about your situation. And God will see you through your situation. And that's why he says, come before into my throne room and worship me. Because I am absolutely awesome. And I am the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And I am worthy of worship. We're going to spend some time worshiping him. You're invited to come forward however you want to worship, but don't lose this opportunity. Don't lose the opportunity to come into the throne room of God and worship him. Whether it's in your chairs, whether it's on your faces, but put yourself in Ezekiel's place. See the glory of God, his majesty, his authority, his power, and use the opportunity to be in his presence. Because God loves you, and he wants to have fellowship with you, and he wants to be intimate with you. And this is the time. This is the place to worship him. So let me pray. Lord Jesus, I pray for each of us that we will not lose this opportunity to worship you. As we come before you, may your spirit flow through us and in us, and may we have intimacy with you. Oh, Lord Jesus, we love you, we praise you, we honor you. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will speak to us and we will know your presence, your power, your grace in our lives. I thank you, I praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen.